0: Psalms 107, turn with me to verse 10. Uh, we're just going to talk about the rhythms of hunger or the helpfulness of hunger. Father, we just give you this moment, Lord, as we just stir into your word and, uh, that you would cause us, oh, Lord, to be awakened to our spiritual condition, Lord, to draw us nearer to the presence of God, that we would be hungry even more than we've ever been for the presence of God in our lives. Somebody say amen. 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 It says, verse 107, Psalms 107, verse 10, There were those who dwelt in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in misery and chains, because they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, He humbled their heart with labor. Everybody say humbled. Humble. Humbled their heart with labor. They stumbled, and there was none to help. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them out of their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke apart their bands. Give them, Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness or his wonders to the Son of Man. He has shattered the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron asunder. Somebody say amen. amen. What happened? God drawled out, uh, drew out Israel out of the bondage of slavery. But the verse that catches me tonight is... Uh, That verse 12, he says, therefore, he humbled their hearts with labor. God sent them into captivity. Follow me there. Now go back back up verse four. So God brings out the children of Israel from the harsh labor of Egypt. He sends them a savior, uh, Moses, a type of Christ to come. He comes, he breaks apart their bonds. uh, He breaks them asunder and he humbles that he had humbled them for 400 years in, uh, in Egypt. Now they get across the Red Sea. They've been baptized into water. They are being led by the Holy Spirit, following their Savior, by the way. If that doesn't sound like the Christian life, I don't know what does. But then they get into the wilderness. Verse 4 They wandered in the wilderness in a desert region. They did not find a way to an inhabited city, they were hungry. And thirsty, their soul fainted within them and they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them out of their distress. He led them also by a straight way to go into an inhabited city. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the son of men, for he has satisfied the thirsty soul and the hungry soul. He has filled with what is good. Amen. So God allowed them. To labor in Egypt. But then he broke their chains. God allowed them to hunger in the desert. But then he filled their hunger of their hearts and their souls. We know that he provided fresh bread from heaven. He provided uh, fresh living water out of a rock. He provided the quail. And all these things that God provided. And in Deuteronomy chapter 8. And one of my favorite chapters. And I've preached this probably twice since I've been here. uh, That Deuteronomy chapter 8. Uh, Moses says, don't you remember that God humbled you to hunger all those years and some basically to say that you would understand that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word, every breath that proceeds out of the mouth of God, he humbled you to hunger, that God led you to hungry. He led you to be hungry. God wanted you to be hungry. Uh. You know, we have these rhythms of hunger in our life. every Every day, you get hungry for breakfast, you eat breakfast, guess what happens? Some of us, we get hungry for second breakfast, we eat second breakfast, and then we'll have, you know, maybe third breakfast, then we'll have lunch, and then, you know, that how that goes in some, some people's avenues, right? But you have a rhythm of hunger. Every day, you're probably eating three meals a day, and, and there's a rhythm there that every day, I get up, I want breakfast, and every. Every day, midday, I want some lunch, and every day in the afternoon, in the evening, I want some supper or some dinner, depending on what side of the Mason-Dixon line you live on, right? And and you want these rhythms of you have these. It's natural. It's a part of life, right? But here we have God sending His children to be hungry. I don't know how many parents that we would comprehend that that I want my kids to be hungry, but I do comprehend that sometimes in my household, my little four-and-a-half-year-old will want the wrong kind of food. And she'll come up with Skittles or, you know, whatever and say, Can I have this? And we'll say, No, we're about to have supper. You can't have that now. You have to eat supper first, but then there'll be an argument, no doubt, in that moment. And here's the way it goes in my house. You will eat nothing, or you'll eat what I tell you to eat. That's how I work. I don't know how you parent, but that's how I parent, right? Uh, A little old school there. You're not going to get what you don't need. I know what's best for you. I'm the father. I see the big picture. I know why. Because if you eat all that junk food all day long, you will be sick later. And it might please you now, but it won't please you later. And so I'm going to let you go hungry until you're craving what we're going to have for supper. Are you following me? God led his children to go hungry so they would crave what they really needed. And in our life, there needs to be rhythms of hunger. There needs to be rhythm, regular rhythms of hunger in the Christian life. And, and sometimes it's hard to understand that God would let me go through something that would cause me to get hungry, that cause me to feel empty, that would cause me to feel not good. And, and there are things in our life... Follow me, God allows bad things to happen sometimes. Get your mind around it, but follow the scripture. He allows you to go through wildernesses. He allows you to go through certain times because we might have been feeding on the wrong thing. He wants you to be hungry for the right thing. I think about Elijah. we've been talking about Elijah in First Kings chapter 19. Elijah has been doing some awesome things. He's been uh, getting food from ravens. He's been uh, getting food miraculously uh, with uh, oil and water and bread for this widow woman. God's miraculously providing. Uh, But then he gets to a point, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, that he calls down fire from heaven and he is just physically exhausted, right? Totally spent. He flees in his own power and his own purpose. He has left the calling of God, runs into the wilderness, and the Bible says that God, through an angel, woke him up and told him to partake of some hot bread and some water from heaven that God made for him. And that's symbolic of the bread of life through Jesus Christ and the living water of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that Elijah ran to the place of God, ran to where the Spirit of God was on Mount Sinai. He ran for, he went 40 days and 40 nights on just that heavenly food. That is a symbol of what God is trying to speak to us, that Elijah, by his own strength, ran on empty. But when he got what God had for him, he was full further than he ever could have ever imagined, right? Even in the great prophet Elijah's life, was there a rhythm of hunger? There had to be a regular time for us to get back on our knees and say, Lord, I am empty of what I'm in my own strength, and now I've got to come get something supernatural from heaven—the fresh bread of life. Jesus said uh, in John that He was that bread; that the, that God had sent manna to the to the Israelites, but He was that manna. He was that fresh bread, the bread of life. And also that He would provide living water, that streams of living water would flow from the bellies of those who believed and confessed in Him. That He told the woman at the well that you thirst for this natural water and you've been trying to figure out how to worship God in your own way and arguing all these lines of Jew versus Samaritan. But there is coming a time... When people will worship in spirit and truth, and there will be living water. I am that living water. I'm trying to give it to you. I am He. I'm right here. And so we've got this rhythm. Here we've got Israel. They were led to hunger and labor. They were led to labor, and then God broke the chains. They were led to the wilderness. And then they humbled to hunger there, and they got hungry. And then God said, I'm giving you manna, I'm giving you quail, until you realize that what you really need is what I have to offer you, that word of God, You, until you really want the word of God. I want you to get hungry. And basically what he was saying is, I'm trying to get you off the junk food of Egypt. I want you off the junk food of this world and all the things that have been binding you. I want to get you alone in a secret place, where you are under the shelter of my wings, where you are following Jesus Messiah, where you are under the hovering of the Holy Spirit upon you, cloud by day, uh, fire by night, where you are trusting in living water everywhere I take you, you're trusting in fresh bed, bread to be there every morning, and that you would be hungry from the pots of meat that they were used to and get full of the things of God, right? Well, then we have Elijah, and now let's fast forward. We so we just said Jesus is Come on this meeting. Jesus says, hey, I'm that manna, I'm the fresh bread of life, I'm the bread of life, I'm the living water, I am he. Those, if you partake of me, you're never going to thirst again, you're never going to go hungry again. And then we find Paul, this great man of God, the Apostle Paul. Turn with me uh, to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Paul says, he says, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations that he had had, he'd seen some great stuff. He'd seen some great stuff in his life, and God gave him some great revelation. He said, but for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. And concerning this, I implored the, Lord, implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in your weakness. That's what he's saying. For power is perfected in weakness. So Paul responds, Most gladly, therefore, I will boast about my weakness, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Dwelling there is the inhabitation of God. Dwell uh, is always that God wants to be a dwelling place in the midst of his people. Basically, Paul saying, I'm going to boast in my weakness that the Holy Spirit, that I'm going to be a dwelling place of God, a tabernacle, a living temple for God. God, though, sent Paul a thorn. Think about it. God allowed a messenger of Satan. He it, Was it demonic spirit? We don't know what the thorn was. It could have been something... Uh, tormenting him. It could have been something, it uh, could have been a person, could have been uh, people coming and destroying his ministry. There's a, a lot of speculation on what it could be, but that's not even the point. The point is, God sent it. God allowed it. Why? Because God gave him some awesome stuff. He said, I'm going to show you some visions and some dreams. I'm going to help you write this whole New Testament almost. I'm going to give you all these revelations that you can't even speak of. They're so awesome. Paul didn't even begin to write some of the things that he saw when he was taken up into the third heaven, some people think. And then when he was in the, uh, the wilderness with Jesus, being taught by Jesus himself in Damascus, some people think. He didn't even get to share all of that. And he could have boasted in that. He could have puffed himself up. He could have prided himself in that. But what did God do? He brought him low. He brought him down. He humbled them to hunger. He wanted Paul on a regular rhythm of being hungry. And so he says, then God says something that I've got something instead of what you would naturally turn into this situation. You would have naturally puffed your pride up, but I'm going to humble you down. Then I'm going to give you something that you didn't even know you needed in this situation, I'm going to give you some grace, some power that you wouldn't have had otherwise unless I humbled you. You see that? That there are things you're going to go through in this life, this rather regular rhythm of hunger. It is a helpful thing to be hungry for the things of God. That we can go through this life uh, so very much and get full on just our routine and get full on how I know how to do church I'm good at church. I'm good at being a Christian. I don't cuss. I don't do drugs. I'm not having adultery. I'm not doing all these things. and I don't have an addiction here. And I can come. I can sing. I can hear. I can go home. I can be a good moral person. But that's how I think about it sometimes because I grew up in that stuff, right? But do I get hungry? Am I yearning? Like David said, in a weary and dry land, my soul thirsts for you. It longs for you. He had to go to a dry and weary place, and we just read that Psalms just this morning, this morning and tonight. Who sent David there? God did. Who allowed Saul to hang on to his kingship for a long time, and that allowed Saul to chase David into the wilderness to write those Psalms to learn something. David had to learn to get hungry and thirsty and dependent on God and allow God to fill him. My challenge for us is that as a modern Christian in America today, I need to have regular rhythms of hunger. Just like I have a regular rhythm for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I should always be checking myself to say, Heath, are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Are you been full on Egypt? Is there things that have been junk food? Because maybe, you know, even as adults, let me just tell you, when you go to Golden Corral, you have a problem. We're going to eat too much of something, and you're going to regret it later. I don't care how mature and, and spiritual you are. You go there, you're going to hit that chocolate fudge fountain, and you're going to get one too many Rice Krispie treats, So you're going to get that extra helping of mashed potatoes or something, and tomorrow you will feel it. I mean, I'm prophesying over us if you go there, right? I mean, seriously, even as adults, we get in trouble with our eyes. I'm trying to teach a four-and-a-half-year-old how to eat, but even so, I still regret things sometimes. You go home, you're like, oh, my gosh, why did I do that? I shouldn't have had that extra thing. We do that all the time in this world. I watched TV too long. I was on Facebook too long. Oh, I just kind of went through that church service, didn't really get anything out of it. Whose fault is that? I've been so full on the things of this world, so busy with all my commitments, so my mind is so always going. You say, God, Am I in the rhythm of hunger? Here's why I challenge us with this. If you do not purposefully put a rhythm of hunger in your life, God will do it for you. I don't want to have to go to the wilderness. I don't want to have to go to the cave. And I don't want a thorn in the flesh. Some things God helps us learn the hard way, just like I had discipline for my daughter, just like I will allow her to go hungry so she'll know what the right thing is. God loves you enough to give you some tough love to give our church some tough love, to give our community some tough love. There are things that God will allow to happen in your life because He knows what is best for you. And He says, I'll let you go through this thing, and you're going to think it's the end of the world, you're going to think it's worse than anything you've ever been through, or it's going to be this time in your life. Heaven forbid that we have to go through those moments, but those moments He is in control of, He was in control of David in the wilderness. He was in control of Israel in the wilderness. He was in control of Paul's thorn in the flesh. He knew it was all in his sovereignty because he wanted him something better. I want him to hunger and thirst for me and then I will satisfy him. My grace is sufficient for him. My power is going to be made perfect in his weakness and so that he could boast in some new things. And so here's my challenge as we go to prayer. If you're not in a position... Where you desperately need God, you're not in the right position. If you're not in a position right now, where you are desperate for God in your life, you are not in the right position. That we should be continually hungry and thirsty for spiritual things. That uh, I, I said it the other day with uh, my youngest, Addie. I'm using my. I'm a dad now. I'm using my kids in sermons all the time. Right. Yeah. But but she will always come up to Beth or I, and she's hungry, and she'll say, ah, you know, I just want some food. And then she'll put one hand out, and we'll put a cracker in it just today. I put an uh, animal cracker in this hand, then she puts the second hand out. I want one in this hand too. I've got to have both hands full. And if I could be like that with God and say, Lord, I'm going to have both. I want to be full full of the right things. I want his peace, his love, his joy, his power, his holy spirit. I can turn I don't care about internet and TV and this world and all of its agendas and doing church by our own power and our own ability. And see God what we need is a desperation. I know God's going to fill us. God's the easy part. God wants to fill you. He wants to give you things. The hard part is getting hungry. And if I want to do it on my own, that's my ch- that's what I've been feeling all week. He, I need to be hungry on my... I don't want God to have to make me be hungry. I want to just have a rather regular rhythm of hunger and thirsting for the things of God. Amen? Would you stand with me tonight?